Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our reading today comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not get up give its light, and the stars will be falling down from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven." From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you will know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each worth his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. May God bless our hearing and understanding of his holy word. Thank you, Brian. Jesus used symbolism that within 40 years of his ascending to the Father in heaven shook the world in the Middle East. Certainly the, the wars, the destruction of the temple, the, the taking over, I mean, the Romans ruled Jerusalem already. They then destroyed it within those 40 years. A huge earthquake shook the whole Mediterranean region within that time. And if you look up your history, you discover that when, Mesu when Vesuvius erupted and buried Pompeii, it was within that 40-year time window as well. So fires, earthquakes, the shaking of the foundations of the earth, the darkening of the sky because of the ash of a volcano, these symbols all happened within that generation of Jesus having predicted it. Hmm. A lot of things like it have happened since too. And those are, there are those that try to predict to this day, oh, well this war or this eruption or these earthquakes or these particular peoples fighting each other are, are signs right out of revelation or right out of Jesus' words so we can predict the end is near. And we almost make a cartoon out of somebody 
You know, the world is going to end next Tuesday parading with a sign, and he's looking for a job on Wednesday. If Jesus didn't know, when the Son of Man walked the earth, Son of God walked the earth, and the Father withheld even from him when this would occur. It is a bold act. Here's another Greek word for you, hubris, which is the pride of thinking we know what God knows. So if somebody claims, I'm a prophet, and I can tell you when the world's going to end, I can tell you the day Jesus will come, or I can tell you the day that the angels are going to descend and, and set up Jesus to judge everybody. No, we don't. We don't. So what do we do with that? Jesus has given us these warnings. Of, and again, if you read the book of Revelation, remember it was a bad dream that the apostle John had. So what do we do with that? If we don't know, what do we do? And it gets harder for the church, I think, rather than easier, because they thought it was going to happen within their lifetimes. This generation, the way that Greek word reads, it could be this, this entire human race will not pass away before these things happen. That gives us quite a window, doesn't it? 2,000 years later, when you've been told something's going to happen, and it could happen tomorrow, and you wait 2,000 years, what happens? We get focused on the worldly plans. We get focused on our, our worldly preparations. We get, we get focused on what's going to happen next week, next month, whatever. God could turn that all upside down, but because he hasn't, and I'm guilty too, it's easy to sit back in the chair and figure, okay, I'll be in heaven before that happens. I won't have to go through it. Maybe I will and maybe I won't. How many ways are we reminded to be prepared? Jesus says, stay awake. The anthem the choir shared this morning is an old favorite. I like it. Talking about keep your lamps trimmed and burning because the, the bridesmaids are supposed to keep the lamps full of oil and, and trimmed so they'd burn nicely for the bridegroom to arrive. Jesus is the bridegroom of the church. And the symbolism is fresh batteries in your flashlight in modern terms, but keep the lamps ready because you don't want to be caught asleep or your flashlight dead when the bridegroom of the church, when Christ arrives. Some of us learned that early on in scouting. I may have it wrong, but I think it starts with the second class rank for a scout where they've got a little scroll that says, be prepared as part of their emblem. By the time you get to first class, it's prominently displayed there along with several other symbols. There's a cavalry unit in the army that has as its motto, soit préparé, which is French for be prepared. The Coast Guard march and song are called Semper Paratus, always ready. Lamps trimmed and burning. Stay awake. Watch. What does that mean for us to be? Be prepared for Christ to come. Many years ago, a, a man asked his rabbi, he happened to be of the, the Jewish faith, our ancestral faith, if you will, and he says, Rabbi, What's the most expedient time? This guy was kind of transactional. What's the most expedient time? When should I make my peace with God? The rabbi says, 
Well, obviously the day before you die, my son. The man scratched his head and said, Rabbi, I could die tomorrow. You got the point, didn't you? <laughs> Be prepared today. I mean, what if Jesus showed up at fellowship time and said, thanks for all the hard work, but it's finished. I'd probably faint dead away, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what I'd do. There's a song called I Can Only Imagine, and I know I'm not the only one here who loves it. They made a whole movie out of it. What'll happen when we meet Jesus? How will we react? Will we dance? Will we sing? Will we fall to our knees utterly quiet? Will we faint dead away? I don't know. But we need to be ready for that to happen in heart, in mind, to get rid of any burdens we have of sin or, or unforgiving, anything we could have done, any help we might have given someone that we haven't given away. What if it's still in our hand when Christ arrives? When I was a young lieutenant in Germany, this colonel and his very loving family, they took good care of Kathy and me both when we needed it. And he used to say, David, all I ask is that you're ready every day and you have a serving spirit. Silly me, I thought he meant the army. I got to know him as a good Christian brother as well. The serving spirit we've talked about just recently, our commission to serve through serving others. If we have that help in our hand and it's still there when Jesus comes, we've wasted it. Whether it's a shoulder to cry on, a loving word, a pat on the back, an invitation to church if that's what someone will gain from. Or a material gift to help. We need to have that serving spirit that Colonel Hatch told me about so many years ago. Ready every day, I thought he meant my rifle had to be polished clean and I could do push-ups. Silly me. As I said, as I got to know him as a man of great faith and a good Christian brother, how much more he meant, hey, David, stay awake. Hey, David, have your prayer life, have your forgiving life, have your repentance life in good shape every day, Lieutenant. I always said yes, sir, but it took me a few times to realize what I was saying yes to. I finally got it. That's what Advent is about. When my Eastern Orthodox friends call it a little fast. My Coptic, Coptic Egyptian secretary used to bring me falafel during Advent. She says, you shouldn't eat so much meat here. And she'd bring me falafel. That's how they got protein in their culture in a time of fasting from eating meat. And it was neat to talk about our different Christmas traditions or Advent traditions, but a time of reflection, a time of focusing on the preparation. And Advent, I would hope, was just about long enough, four weeks, that if we work at staying awake, we work at being prepared for Christ's coming. If we do it every year for these four weeks, we might make it a habit. We might do it during the other seasons of the year better, less painfully, without having to think about it as hard. So this is a good, this is the first day of a, a good four weeks of preparation. Let's use it well and then celebrate Christmas together with all the joy we can muster. Stay awake, be prepared. Thanks be to God, amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. 
We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.